Are you curious about pegging? Maybe you've heard of it, but don't really know what it is. Or maybe you kind of know what it is and you're curious about trying it with your partner, but you're worried because isn't it kind of dirty and gross? Isn't it only for gay men? Isn't it something that means that your man is weak? If you want to be pegged, does that mean that you're also into BDSM? Are you worried about doing it to your partner without hurting them? And maybe you're just curious about what is in it for the giver? Well, this is covered in today's episode. I was delighted to be introduced to Ruby Ryder, who is the foremost authority on pegging, in my opinion. She is an aficionado, an absolute expert, and someone who is so generous with her knowledge because she believes that pegging can change the world. If you're curious about pegging, then this is the episode for you. Remember that this is designed for educational purposes only. So with all that said, let's dive in. Welcome to In Bed with Lisa. I'm Lisa Welsh and I teach you how to have more fun in bed, even if you're super busy, feel totally embarrassed or have been faking orgasms for years. It's not rocket science and you are not broken. Keep listening to learn how. Hello, welcome back to In Bed with Lisa. Today, I am delighted and a little bit nervous to introduce you to Ruby Ryder. She is a sex educator, a pegging expert. I bet you've never heard of that before and a sex worker. She is just such a queen in this area and I'm really excited to learn from her. Welcome, Ruby. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. So please tell us a little bit about you for anybody who doesn't know of your work and whereabouts you are in the world. I am in California and I have been an aficionado and, and a teacher educator of pegging for the last 12 years. I have the website peggingparadise.com and about two years into that journey of having that blog and writing about it and realizing that I wanted to teach about pegging, I was also exploring BDSM. And I realized that in my quest to educate people about pegging that maybe I was scaring a few people away because I, because I identify as a dominant sensual sadist. So I was writing things about tying men up and beating them. And I thought, no, okay, there's people out there that just want to learn about pegging. So I put up the website pegging101.com and that has all the informational articles only with no kink attached. So the very first thing everybody's probably wondering is what is pegging, right? Yeah. <laughs> because there's a fair amount of people out there that are not familiar with that word. That word actually came into being in 2001 on Dan Savage's um, column. I don't think he had a podcast yet. And somebody wrote in and said, Okay, so there, you know, there's, there's no word to differentiate between lesbians having strap-on sex mm -hmm. and heterosexual people having strap-on sex. So can we like make one? <laughs> mm -hmm. And Dan said, okay, so let's make one. What do you think is a good word? And people wrote in with their suggestions and pegging was the one that got the most votes. How interesting. I was, I was actually able to track down the guy who wrote that letter in just by a chance crossing i was on the reddit forums and he said hey i was the person that wrote that letter in and i helped a word come into the english language and i can't even talk to anybody about it <laughs> so i had him on my show and i did an interview with him it was really quite wonderful 
how amazing i can't believe that imagine that like notoriety that fame it is such an, an unusual word it doesn't make there's no obvious connection for me at least between the word and the activity no there's a lot of hypotheticals that are probably incorrect but nonetheless this so this word comes into being so originally it was an extremely gendered term meaning it meant a woman putting a strap on on and penetrating a man anally. Now, over time, the gender binary is evolving and breaking down. So um, I teach to prostate owners as receivers, okay. vagina owners as givers, because when you really get into the nuts and bolts, so to speak, <laughs> you end up teaching to body parts as well. How, you know, teaching people how to uh, give the most pleasure, receive the most pleasure, feel the most pleasure during the act. Mm -hmm. uh, these days, my own personal definition of it is the receiver has a prostate or had one. Sometimes they have them surgically removed okay. and the giver has a vagina. That's pretty much it. Okay. Strap yeah. on. So I tend to, to uh, term them very much givers and receivers because that gives respect to the people who are male, identifies male, but don't have a prostate. People identify female who do have a prostate. You get it. People identify as non-binary. That kind of is all inclusive and that helps out. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that people need to know about pegging is that there are so many misconceptions and assumptions and fears and concerns. And often it is a sexual activity that runs into those head on first off. So what I mean by that is if a couple is interested in exploring it, typically it is the receiver that mm -hmm. discovers there is pleasure to be had with anal stimulation, which by the way, there is the prostate is capable of giving an equal amount of, of, of pleasure, just like what people erroneously call the G spot, which is part mm -hmm. of the clitoris. Mm -hmm. So same, same. Yeah. So that is one of the things that drives receivers to explore this, but often they're really, um, they, they are very reluctant to talk to their partners about it. They have a lot of fears mm -hmm. about their reactions because of all these myths and misconceptions and assumptions, because the very, very first misconception is orientation. Mm. There is a huge connotation so strong between receptive male anal play and sexual orientation. Yeah. And I'm here to tell you that asses do not have orientations. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. There's a pleasurable, there's a part of your body that is going to feel so good to be stimulated. That, how, how can that be connected to your orientation? But it's very hard to unpack that for some people. It is. And I even came across a study that was done in George Mason University, I believe it was, and they, it was a study of gay men and only 36% said they engaged in anal sex. So I think it's, it's a lot more people believe that it's a lot more common than it really is, even between gay couples. But the, the orientation question is not only coming up from the potential givers. Sometimes it's such a strong connotation that it comes up from the receiver end of things too, sort of like, oh, I feel pleasure in my ass. What does this say about me? Mm. I'll tell you exactly what it says about you. It says you're a man who feels pleasure in his ass and that's completely normal. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Wow, thank you for busting that myth because I think that's what a lot of people are going to think. The minute they see this episode come up, they'll, I think they'll even have resistance to listening to it because of that. 
absolutely. That's a strong one. It's hard to get past, but the area of your body that you enjoy having stimulated has no bearing on the gender you prefer to do the stimulating. And there is no magic button in a guy's ass that when stimulated, all of a sudden makes him crave the same gender. Now, it's not black and white. Occasionally, there is a man who has really tamped down uh, feelings of bi-curiosity. Mm-hmm understandably because in this word in this world it's easier not to say anything that you might be by curious especially if you're a man Mm -hmm. so can pegging bring that up yeah it can but that does not mean that this same man is going to go out and let everyone fuck him and fuck everyone because now he's attracted to both genders that is when you take a deep breath and you depend on your relationship agreements Mm -hmm. because you know that is the basis of everything so that's one of the first uh uh things to clear up basically is about sexual orientation. I always have to laugh too, because it's, it's that knee jerk thing where a guy says, you know, I think I want to explore pegging. And his partner says, well, isn't that gay? <laughs> and it's sort of like, if you think that if, if you are as a woman are with a man and you're having sex and he eats your pussy once in a while, he's not gay. <laughs> gay men do not eat pussy. It, that just doesn't happen. He at the very least might be bisexual, but mm-hmm. Okay, so leaving that one behind. Um, also, they think it's all about pain for some reason. I think this arises because there are so many people who learn about sex through porn. That's one reason it happens. And porn is lovely, but porn is kabuki sex. It's a show. It's entertainment. You should never try and duplicate it. But also, I think typically anal sex happens with the male giving it to the female much more often, right? They don't know what they're doing because they've never received it. So they're bad at it. Mm -hmm. And if you're bad at it, absolutely, it can be painful. This is why it's really important to learn about it first. Mm -hmm. So uh, many times women are like, okay, so why do you want to do something that's so painful? I am here to tell you that if it hurts, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. And then there's the whole thing about it's dirty, it's gross. And, you know, there's no getting around that. There is, this is the part of the body where bowel movements come out, you know, (laughs) but at the same time, it, there are ways to keep it much, much cleaner and perfectly clean sometimes. Mm -hmm. I think the takeaway from that is that some people think it's like plowing through excrement and it's not, (laughs) it's absolutely not. Once again, if you're doing that, you're doing it wrong. Absolutely, because the anus, it doesn't actually store poo, poo doesn't hang out there. It's just like the exit valve, right? Precisely. Yeah. So when it gets in there, your body goes, hey, we have to go to the bathroom and then you vacate it. And that's the area where you play. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Now, um, one last one I want to mention is the misconceptions that come from porn. Um, porn has a fair amount of professional pegging porn, not the amateur clips. And those completely overrepresent other kinks in conjunction with pegging. Okay. Uh, many times you have feminization of the receiver. So they're dressed up like a female. Uh, a lot of times there's some kind of BDSM going on. Maybe they're tied up. Maybe they're being beaten. CBT, which stands for cock and ball torture, stuff like that. And many times there is humiliation and degradation, verbal, usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what else? I think that's it. And so if you're into any of these kinks, rock on. I support you a thousand percent. But the takeaway here is that <clears throat> they're not inextricably connected. 
to pegging. You can do pegging any way you want to do it. Mm -hmm. You can do pegging as one more way to sensually make love with your partner. You totally can. I mean, in my world, I would absolutely tie them up and beat them first, but (laughs) everybody gets to do their thing and I do me, you do you, you know. So those are, that's a brief overview of some of the misconceptions. And it, and I do want to just briefly mention that it ties in a fair amount to masculinity issues Yes, because there are a whole set of characteristics that men are expected to portray to be considered manly men and masculine in our society, which is starting to get more airtime and is kind of toxic Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And one of the forbidden things that you are uh, forbidden to portray is anything that can be perceived as feminine or gay. Mm-hmm. Penetration absolutely can be perceived that way. Yeah, being the receptive party, even just that, even even if we're not talking about the particular body parts, but just being in the receiving position can be considered non-manly. Yes. And it is not submissive. Mm-hmm. It is not feminine. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you're not um, a strong, capable provider as a man and wonderful person. Um, it does require vulnerability, however. Pleasurable anal penetration requires vulnerability. So many people conflate vulnerability with weakness when men portray vulnerability because men are kind of said by, by that, those characteristics, you know, mm-hmm. named the man box by uh, people who do this kind of work around those sorts of things they they expect them not to portray vulnerability you're always supposed to be strong you buck up you deal with it you're in control you don't show your emotions uh yeah you need to be vulnerable for anal penetration and sometimes when you see that vulnerability in your partner you can mistake it for weakness and it's not it's so not because you have to that kind of vulnerability is being open and honest with your emotions with another person and opening yourself up and allow some allowing someone to see you completely which is such a courageous thing to do so it's really the opposite of weakness it really is i'm just really feeling from this so far is that we i i work with women and understanding the unpacking of the shame in order to surrender but actually in this position, in this scenario, it's actually so much bigger. There's so much to let go of. You've got to let that whole guard down and reconcile your own connection with your masculinity and then let someone else see you in that position too. It's, wow, I mean, and all just to simply stimulate a part of your body that is pleasurable. What a, what a huge amount of shame that is held around that. Exactly, well said. And it's not just a part of your body that feels pleasure. It is the peak of male pleasure. It can give you the peak of male pleasure. Most men who have an orgasm that results from concurrent stimulation, a penile stimulation and prostate stimulation, pretty much across the board report those orgasms as being roughly 10 times as powerful as just a penile orgasm. Wow. Wow. Right? So there's quite the draw there. That is why many men are kind of like, I want to explore this. I want to check this out. So um, what was the other thing I wanted to talk about? So you had mentioned when we talked previously about what can people do if they're interested in introducing this to your partner? Because precisely because there's so many myths and misconceptions, I recorded two specific podcasts and I will give you those and those can be in your show notes for your listeners uh, that 
allow you to introduce the concept of pegging to your partner and then you can have them listen to this podcast. Now, I always say, please listen to it first because only you can be the judge of whether it's appropriate for your particular partner at this particular time. But if you decide that it is, I also encourage you to sit down with your partner and listen to it because there are places where questions come up that only you can answer. I can't answer those questions for you. For example, we talked about the misconceptions having to do with porn. Maybe you do want to dress up in like lingerie or something like that. So you can press the pause button because I say something like, you know, feminization doesn't have to go with pegging, but does your partner want to do feminization? I can't answer that. You have to have that conversation with them. You hit the pause button and then you have that conversation. And in this way, it clears up so many issues. It calms both parties Mm -hmm. and uh, fears and concerns and things like that. And it starts you off at a great place because when you don't talk about all these things, what can end up happening is they can be in the background. And if you don't talk about sexual orientation, like, no, I only really want to explore this with you, have no interest in the other gender, it can be in the back of their mind. And if you, if you as the receiver really enjoy it the first time, they can kind of go, oh, yeah, that's because they're gay. Wow. See what I mean? It just can be a minefield. Mm. But so that's all the mis- and misconceptions. But I would be remiss if I didn't tell you what I thought was the best part. Yes, okay. please do. <laughs> because, of course, yeah, the pinnacle of male pleasure is prostate stimulation. But... Um, Pegging is kind of magic. Of course, I think it can save the world because it's my favorite thing. But <laughs> but <laughs> um, it's kind of magic in, in that what it allows you to do is it allows you to kind of experience sex from the opposite side of the bed. You have the um, experience of taking on your partner's usual typical role and finding out what that's like. It's fascinating and it's so educational and I really think what happens well I know what happens is that you get understanding and compassion for your partner's usual role and it builds a deeper intimacy many many times I've gotten so many emails like for example most women do not have a clue what it takes actually to fuck somebody it takes strength strength and balance and endurance and grace and multitasking multitasking to a degree that women will never truly understand because we don't, uh, you know, we strap it on. It's always hard. We don't have to have just as much fun to keep it hard, but then um, not too much fun because things will end early. It's an athletic event. I've never thought of it this way. That is so interesting. (laughs) And so when you strap it on and you do your partner, you're like, oh, this is what you do when you fuck me every time? Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. You have so much more respect for the cock owner in your life, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 maybe more understanding for those times when they say, oh, I'm tired, you know, because it does. It takes a lot of energy and you use muscles you've never used before. I mean, to the point where I actually have an article that covers all of the exercises that I recommend to get you in good shape to do this. It's all about core exercises. 
It's amazing. Ruby, you are honestly blowing my mind with the directions you're going. Like, I, I, I have an idea of what we might talk about, but this is not it. This is great. You know, <laughs> I thought you were going to say, and that I imagine, okay. considering I've never done it, is the picture behind you is what I imagine. Like, it's going to feel powerful. Like, if you see this picture behind Ruby, she looks <laughs> like she is literally like, right, like the king of the world. I want to say king of the world. <laughs> Well, and, and that's very much an expression of my personality, and it can feel that way. But of course, givers are all different kinds of people. Mm. And so how they decide to do this whole pegging thing varies widely, just as widely as what kind of people they are. Mm. I am foundationally dominant, <laughs> and that's very much expressed in this. Yes. Yes, it is. Which, like, which, by the way, that is me in the picture. <laughs> I can tell. You look like you're having the best time ever. Which, okay, so I have a question then. Um, for the giver, with all of that extra thing, the things you just spoke about, is it enjoyable for the giver? Like, is there a pleasure there for the giver? And is that pleasure in the emotional aspect? Great question. So there are different kinds of pleasure that givers can find in this. First, let me mention that there's no denying that it takes a lot of effort mm -hmm. and the learning curve can be very steep. So you not only to be, you need to be very patient with yourself, but your partner needs to be very, very understanding mm -hmm. that it just takes a while to learn. We've never had one before. We don't know how to use it. We don't know how to move with it. We probably aren't in shape very good to be able to do it for very long. There's a lot of things that take a while to learn. Mm -hmm. So having said that, what kind of pleasures are there in being a giver? Um, running the show is one that may appeal to some women, some don't. I call it running the fuck. Yeah, that's it's really that's fun healthy. to be in charge. <laughs> for me, it might not be for other women, but that's a possible area of pleasure. Sometimes when I hear women who are approached with the idea uh, have a response along the lines of, no, I don't, I don't want to do that because there's, there's nothing in it for me, you know. Mm. Well, why would you do oral sex? Yeah. You oh, know? yeah. Okay. Great response. So I kind of look at it that way. There is absolutely a pleasure in giving your partner pleasure. I personally take great pride and delight in turning my partner into a trembling pile of speechless flesh. Absolutely. <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> absolutely. But, you know, I really like being in control. That's that's who I am. Um, but there is there is physical pleasure as well. There's a wide array of equipment that is absolutely designed to get you off as well. Can all women get off while pegging? No, just like all women can't get off in any way. You know, we're all different. Mm -hmm. But it can absolutely increase your degree of pleasure. And the trick of it is to match up the equipment with how you usually get off. Okay. Like if you grind against something, then yeah, there's a toy for that. If you like external clitoral vibration, there's a toy for that. Ah, like a vibrating strap on. Absolutely. Oh. And by the way, this is probably a good time to mention, I teach three different online webinars. So these are accessible to everyone everywhere. One is the beginners, which is fantastic to take once you and your partner have had the conversation and decide you want to learn more about it. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful to take it before you do anything because there's some pitfalls in there. There are, absolutely. <laughs> and then I teach one about equipment. Mm -hmm. And then I teach one that is advanced for people who want to dive a little deeper into um, 
other aspects to try and encourage orgasms while you're doing it plus longer and wider toys and the safety around them yeah stuff like that amazing thank you so the other thing that i'm thinking i'm thinking from the giver's perspective so the first one was some people might say what is in it for me and the second one is how do you do this without hurting your partner i know we mentioned pain and you said if it hurts you're doing it wrong so is there something you can help us with to just not do it wrong yes and when i talk about this what i want to do is actually briefly go back to what gets learned from both partners when they do the role reversal because we didn't talk about the receivers mm-hmm. so so this will give you an idea how these two things connect because receivers learn that yeah foreplay is more than 20 seconds of can i put it in <laughs> you know to a, especially anal foreplay mm. uh, and that lube is critical because the mm. ass is not self-lubricating yeah. and that really foreplay um, deserves to be the first act of the play, not just a little bit of time of impatient sort of, can I put it in yet? It's a whole first act of the play and it it deserves to be treated as such until your partner is literally asking for it. So that is how you make it not hurt. (laughs) It's all about speed. It's all about spending some time playing there and exploring and finding out what feels good with your partner. Mm-hmm. And by the way, communication is essential here. So if you're listening to this and you are a couple who kind of don't talk in bed, you yeah. know, you do the thing, you really enjoy it, you have a really good time, but you're kind of shy about the talking thing. You have not reached that point where you can talk easily and openly in bed. Mm-hmm. Learn how to do that first mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's so important. You're exploring new territory and you need to have that flow of conversation back and forth. I've written articles for solo play for the receivers. I'm a big proponent of solo play. That reduces anxiety about anal penetration. And it also gives you the ability to to guide your partner. Because if you don't do that, it's kind of like having sex with someone who's never masturbated. Yeah. They don't know how to guide you because they don't know. Yeah. And this is such an unknown area. It's like, almost like, again, I'm going to compare to what I know, but trying to help somebody to stimulate their cervix, for example, if they've never, they don't know what it's like, they don't know when they're touching it, like they don't know what that feeling is. But like the same with the prostate, right? You want to find it yourself first. That's what you're saying. Exactly. And then also you have less anxiety about, oh, you know, someone's going to penetrate me with something because you've already had something in there that size. So, you know, it's a lot easier to let go of that anxiety and that nervousness. Um, And you asked about the pain thing. Yeah, how most. Oh, I know what I was going to mention. I've also written an article sort of guiding the first time a giver does anal exploration on her partner. Okay, thank you. So you've got so many resources. I'm just it's it's so generous of you. Like you're just putting this like super taboo pleasure like out in the world like go and try (laughs) come and try this delight (laughs) well when i first started researching about it and writing about it i took all of the information that i have in my podcast that talks to potential givers so the women because the vast majority of time the impetus for this is driven by the men Mm -hmm. and 
the misconceptions are on the part of the women. I mean, there certainly are misconceptions and assumptions on the part of the men as well. But I wrote all this stuff down and I was going to put it in a little book and maybe have it on Amazon and have it be for sale. And then I realized, no, because what's happening here is there's so many misconceptions and assumptions and taboos and all this stuff around this sexual activity. And it has so much potential for drawing couples closer together for deepening intimacy that I just want people to be able to have access to it for free. Wow. So up until now, I've done, I've created something that works for me. Typically sex educators don't get paid a whole lot of money, <laughs> but yeah. I teach these webinars for free. I will always have an ability for you to attend the webinars for free. They may not be on your time frame and when you would like them to be, but they are free. Yeah. And right now what I'm doing is working on having recorded versions of them up for purchase. And that way you can watch it as many times as you want. If your partner wasn't there, you can have your partner join you. If you change partners, you can show them. If you add a partner, all these different things. So far I have the beginners one up that is recorded for on-demand viewing. And I'm working on the other two. Fantastic. Wow, Ruby. From what you're saying today, I can see why you said that sentence I never thought I'd hear in my whole life, which was like, pegging can change the world for the better. <laughs> right. I gave a talk. Um, there, There is like a shadow conference that sometimes follows the TED conferences around and they call it the Bill conference. <laughs> it was a joke thing of Ted and Bill, you know, Ted and Bill's great adventure, right? And it's all volunteer and it, and, and I think they started doing it as a reaction to the elitism kind of who, of who gets invited to the TED conferences. And I spoke on the main stage and the first question in my question and answer, I had 10 minutes to try and, you know, get a little few little things across to people in my PowerPoint presentation. And the first question I got asked afterwards was, so have you heard anything about how pegging makes men more peaceful? Well, you know, it softens them. It absolutely can soften them because being penetrated and actually taking some, someone into your body is a pretty intense thing. So, so back to what, what men learn from this, it's not just foreplay, <laughs> lube, right? It's that penetration can kind of be intense and maybe every night isn't a penetration night you know, because it's a big deal to take somebody into your body. And I don't think men realize that until they experience it themselves. Yeah. And women sort of take it as this is just what we do. If you're the typical, you know, PIV, penis and vagina type of default. Yeah. 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 Sure. So that, that changing places is just remarkable. Yeah, and I, the work, like you said, the work that is that it requires to actually run, be vulnerable to that degree can actually transform you as a person. It can. Well, and I think the part that I'm the most in love with is how it can transform the men because I, my other huge area of interest is this whole man box thing and all of the ways that we have kind of emotionally handicapped men and told them they must be a certain way. Mm -hmm because this allows them to be vulnerable. I've had a lot of men want to experience pegging precisely so they can have that experience of letting go, not being in control. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're like, you know, I'm in control all day long and I just want to not be in control anymore. I want to receive. I want to be able to open up and be vulnerable with a trusted partner. 
And by the way, pegging is typically something that happens between people who have some sort of a connection. It's yeah. not like you have to have a full on relationship, but it is typically not a Tinder hookup thing. Yeah. Partly because you need to trust each other. The, you know, the receiver needs to trust that the giver knows what the hell they're doing. And you, there's can be a lot of awkwardness when you change roles, when you switch roles. There can definitely be awkwardness and emotional stuff can come up. Always better to be with someone you know and trust. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow, Ruby. I, 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 you warned me that this could be a very, very, very long conversation. I feel like there is so much more to say. And I'm just so grateful that I'm able to direct people to all of your resources that we will put in the show notes. Where is the best place for people to come and find you if they want to connect? peggingparadise.com is my main website and there is a button there to click if you would like to write me. Um, I am working on my educational platform which is where you can access all of my webinars and that's theartofpegging.com. Okay. And of course there's some links that go from Pegging Paradise over to there if you forget any of that but we will have it in the show notes. Um, what else? I have podcasts. It's Ruby Riders Pegging Paradise. I just am, I'm working on number 290, done those since 2012. Wow. And um, I'm on Medium as well. It's a writing platform for anybody who is a member of that. I have posted a whole bunch of stuff there. I'm on Twitter. Um, I left Facebook because they were too censorship heavy. Oh, yeah. I got kicked off of Instagram and I'm kind of lukewarm about it. Yeah. I'm working yeah. on creating another profile but i'm not and i'm on tiktok too prolific. you're like prolific across the pegging landscape i think it's absolutely <laughs> thank you so much for the work you're doing ruby i'm really excited to have connected with you and i just cannot wait to see the reaction we get to this episode thank you so much. i'm so happy that you gave me the opportunity to speak about it because my mission is basically to try and give couples one more thing that they can put in their sexual treasure chest of choices That's by teaching them about pegging. It's quite, you know, it's, that is the best case scenario in exploring it. And the worst case scenario can still be quite bonding. If you try it and you don't like it, it can be one of those things where the couples look back and go, yeah, remember we tried that thing. And it's still this bonding sort of laugh about it thing, you know? Absolutely. Goodness me. Okay. Well, I'm coming to your next webinar. I've got lots to learn. <laughs> Thank you again, Ruby. And um, yeah, I'll be in touch soon for sure. That sounds good. Thank you again. Thank you. I'm sure you learned a thing or two about pegging from today's episode. I know that I did. This interview really opened my eyes to the actual courage and vulnerability that is required to just explore this part of the body that is pleasurable to touch. It is actually mind boggling that there is so much other stuff packed around it. Ruby and I would love to know your takeaways from this episode. And if you have any questions at all or comments, please drop them below. We would love to hear from you. And if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like, subscribe and share with the people that you know would be interested in this. Tag me for a shout out. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time. Would you like a sexy shot of inspiration and actionable tips to help you have more fun in bed in your inbox every single week? then you'd better get on my email list. Sign up to receive my free four-part video series called Unlock Your Pleasure. It's been known to get people experiencing off-the-charts pleasure and mind-blowing orgasms. 
So get onto that. The link is in the show notes and I'll see you in your inbox. Oh,